1: discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code welcome 10 for ten dollars off your first purchase get ten dollars off your first purchase with code welcome 10 at caskers.com 17 to 14 cowboys out in front star begins the count. All right, what's up, guys? Welcome into Packers Total Access. My name is Clayton. You can check us out on PackerNet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. If you'd like to email the show, you can send a message to Packers Total Access at gmail.com. And we've got a special chalk talk edition of the show tonight. We've got my good friend, Mr. Coach Han, on here with us. How you doing today, Coach?
0: Hey, I'm great, man. I'm just ready to talk some ball. How are you? Dude,
1: I'm good, man. I tell you, this was a uh, this was like uh, exercising the demons going through this game tape, right? It's like you I just had to take my medicine, right, And the whole time, especially me being one of those guys that has defended Rodgers, and it was one of those games that it's like, man, there's just not much to defend here. Although we did find, you know, one or two good, you know, positives out of the game. And, and just to kind of give everybody a warning with this Chalk Talk episode, there's going to be some negative. You don't lose to the Lions and only score nine points and not be some negative. Right. It's just, it's just something that's not going to happen. So, or however many points, how many points did they end up scoring? Do you know, coach? Uh Yeah. What was it? 15, 6, 15. Is that what it was? Yeah. 15, 6. Right. So, whoo, man, it was ugly, but let's do this. We're going to kind of go in chronological order, guys. And first of all, thanks for everybody listening on the pod here on Thursday afternoon. Thanks everybody tuning in on Twitter and on YouTube live. We're going to do our best we're going to hold each other accountable and try to explain a little bit better this week so the pod is a little more fluid. It's funny. We get to geeking out over the footage. We're going, man, look at him right there. Look at that right there. Look <laughs> On the pod, they're going, what are we looking at? What are we looking at? So let's get right into it, man. I'm going to go ahead and share my screen and we're going to talk about the very first play here, which, uh, you know, w- we picked five plays, gang, and what we wanted to do is kind of talk to, talk about the flow of the game and kind of how things went wrong. And it was so frustrating going back through this because we had so many opportunities, so many opportunities to win this game, and it was like the Lions were all day long were going here, just take the game, take the game already, take the win, and they just never did it. But we're gonna start in the first quarter. It was 4:23 left. It was zero to zero, and it was a first and goal play. And I think that's the hardest thing to stomach about this play, coach. It's first and goal, and you throw an interception. So if you guys haven't caught on, this is the Aaron Rodgers helmet plunk. As I said on the postgame show, it looked like he probably put the linebacker, whoever it was that the ball hit him in the head, in the concussion protocol. I mean, it was a shot right to the dome. But what we had here, guys, um, was a first and goal look from the five-yard line, and it was a gun 11, strong right, Z-tight, halfback same, And to the best of my knowledge, and I really struggle with this coach, I'm eager to get your, your take on this. I'm calling it an RPO zone right peak. But when you watch the way that Aaron, as we unfold this play, to me, I don't even feel like he's reading anything. It was like he made his mind up right off the bat. This is going to be a play action pass. Did you get the same vibe?
0: Uh, as we watch the center release here for those on the pods, the the center is going to go downfield to the backside inside backer. Detroit's in a forefront here with their overhang walked up, and then the backside inside backer is going to be the responsibility of center John Runyon, uh, or excuse me, uh, center Josh Myers. Um, so Josh Myers actually releases about four yards downfield, he has no idea it is a pass. Um, so this is definitely an RPO, but you are absolutely right, Clayton, in the fact that Rodgers had his mind made up pre-snap that uh, the running back was not going to get this ball, and that's because Detroit <laughs> tricked him. Um, they did a, a really, really nice job of tricking Rodgers, baiting him into um, putting this ball uh, where it had to be, and, and um, we'll be able to show you uh, just exactly how they did that, how they um, how they gave him the candy he wanted, but unfortunately, there's a razor blade in it. Yeah, no doubt. No
1: doubt. And, and I'm just going to kind of hit on a few notes and I'm going to turn it over to you so you can share your screen. And I don't want to cut into anything that you wanted to cover, but I did just want to kind of confirm that's what i seen our RPO zone right peak. And what I mean by peak guys, this is designed from the RPO aspect. As we go to the camera behind the line of scrimmage is the, the idea is to read that back line of defense right there. And if they bite on this run, then you're going to try to shoot this ball in there to the slant. Right. And honestly, Lazard is open on this slant. He really is. But like we just talked about, if you watch Aaron on this real close, he's not reading anything. He's looking at the back. He's selling the play fake and he knows I'm throwing the ball. That's why I wanted to ask Coach. Now, like Coach pointed out, the fact that Myers gets to the next level, I mean, that tells you he was expecting a run there. I mean, that's a that's you know, that's very that could very well be a run. Let me ask you this, Coach. Is there not a penalty involved there when a when a center gets that far down the line, that far beyond the line of scrimmage when you throw that pass would that not be ineligible or what's the rule there do you know right no, off Yeah that's
0: hand? that's totally illegal yeah um yes. it's just something that Green Bay and a lot of teams been doing for a long time we uh we have a saying you know uh make the ref throw the flag make the ref see it um it's a tough thing to see boom boom you know so we cheat all the time uh as as an offensive uh offensive staff we just our defensive staff hates it you know cuz we'll see it from time to time but yeah we cheat we cheat all the time and we do it on purpose um, you know, we'll free release. And, you know, if it so happens to get called once or twice, like, oh, well, we'll eat her five yards because we know we get some really explosive plays off of it. So should be a Absolutely. penalty. But.
1: Yeah. As we say down here in the South, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying, right? That's the <laughs> way it goes. I hear you, man. <laughs> so for me, like I said, it just, Aaron decides he's going to pass the ball. It's going to be a play fake, a play action pass. He's not even going to read anything. And what's crazy is there's no throwing window there, but when you look, at how quick he has to snap his head back to make this throw. I mean, there's no time to adjust. I mean, it's you're trying to hit that window at this point. Hindsight being 2020, me being the fat Caucasian guy sitting on the couch going, This is what I would have done. <laughs> you'd like to think he could see that window and just say, Just a little pop pass, just put a little air under it, right? And get it right over the top there to Lazard. But again, that's 100% on Aaron Rodgers. There's no two ways about it from the from the fact that he went away from the RPO right off the bat to where he put the ball right in the face mask of the defender. Of course, it getting picked. And if you watch Lazard adjust here too, Coach On, it's like you could tell Lazard's having to reach behind him anyway. The ball was going to be behind him regardless. It was just a bad throw. And, you know, people don't want to hear it. I kind of look at it and go okay is this the thumb because we've seen what we've seen consistently now for 2 weeks is Aaron Rodgers underthrowing receivers right and to me that's indicative of okay there's some there's some pain there there's lack of strength lack, lack of grip and I think that's why he's underthrowing receivers the way he is and it's funny because earlier in the season it was he's overthrowing receivers and then the last 2 weeks now he's underthrowing receivers but I'm going to pass it off to you now as I went through the footage there on my part. So what we're going to do is share your screen and let's kind of get your
0: take on it, man. All right. Sounds good. Uh, Again, for the listeners on the pod, um, that's usually my bad. I apologize for that. I'm usually the one saying, look at this dude, look at this dude. Um, But we're going to take a look at the Packers are in a a tight end set, as Clayton said, what we just simply call on over right. Um, They've got a tight end attached to the line on the right side and then a wing just off of that tight end. You got A.J. Dillon in the backfield offset to Rodgers right. And then you got Lazard as the on receiver split out wide about five yards and then Watkins into the very top of the screen, split out a little bit wider. He's off the line. And what Detroit has done is really, really intelligent. Um, you did a really good job, Clayton, uh, just kind of describing this. However, this isn't um, inside zone right. This isn't zone right at all. Actually, it's a play called Duo, which is kind of a, a counter action um, to zone. Because you can add a gap to the backside with that tight end, and then even add another one with the wing. Um, what Detroit did was really awesome. If we look at the top side of the screen for those on the pod, um, they've got they're playing man across the board. You can see all eleven defenders um, within four yards of the football, uh, so they're not even they're not even in hiding that they're playing man. On the very top of the screen, you have a cornerback with inside leverage against Sammy Watkins at the very top. So he's going to take away any in-breaking route, force the more difficult throw to the outside. The really fascinating thing is how the what would be your your strong side safety has drilled down to an even stance on Alan Lazard. He's essentially giving Alan Lazard the inside release. And Rodgers kind of sees this pre-snap and gets a little giddy. We can see right here on the film he sees... The safety drill down i think that's intentional by detroit to even bait him into seeing the safety drill down sees him in an even technique and he's like oh yeah there's no way agent aj dillon's getting the ball and i'll show you why as i fast forward my film i just wanted to show you that alignment here i'm going to actually show you what he's seeing from the end zone view so that we're all on the same page here what he's really looking at is that side inside linebacker and what detroit has is what we call a two eye or an inside shade defender between that left guard and center, and that 2 I is going to put his hands on the guard. And then they have a wide nine in Aiden Hutchinson, who's going to hold that C-gap outside of David Bakhtiari. So what Rodgers is looking at is these two cats right here, these two um, outside linebackers, I guess, if you will, right here and right here. That's an invert safety. That's an inside-outside linebacker who's playing tucked in. And the way Rodgers is thinking right now is – this cat right here is now responsible for b gap and for that little glance what what you call a glance um we call it a slip route from alan lazard and and rogers sees like hey that corner or that safety drill down is going to give lazard an inside release so we're going to score here this backer is going to have to walk up play that b gap on duo there's no way he can play b gap on duo and stay back there for any sort of pass breakup or, or get into a throwing window. But Detroit has kind of schemed this up really well. They're gonna take this two ID tackle that I had mentioned inside of the guard, and they're gonna let him go ahead and get hands on the guard. And then he's gonna play a peak ne- technique where he can look a gap or B gap. And what that's gonna do is slow this backside inside backer down. He doesn't have to play both gap here. He doesn't have to crash downhill into B gap now. So we watch this film develop. You'll see him take that hard step and then he's just gonna sit. These are fit freeze rules, but they're actually playing it to the or away from the offset back. Usually these rules are played way back here somewhere, in case you know this were to slip out, or maybe that tight end were to hit a corner or something like that. That's where we usually play freeze rules, meaning that defender isn't going to actually fill into the box super quickly. Instead, he's gonna freeze and wait for the play to develop and try to go into a throw window. You don't usually see an RPO away from the back because the mesh point gets all messed up. And you mentioned Roger's head um, into the mesh point where he's not even looking. He's just really trying to ride this duo look. And he's just kind of guessing that Lazard is going to be back here and he will. He'll be open on that inside release because Detroit has given that to him. But watching this backer, he knew it was coming. Okay. This is just a simple trap coverage. Right here, we can watch him redirect. And there's no way for him to actually react to that as soon as he sees that Rodgers stands up. He's already opened up. So that's not a reaction. That tells me right away, this is trap. That they've actually run a trap coverage here to get him into that throwing window. My guess is, Clayton, they took a look at this, uh, a lot of Packers film, and they thought, we're going to bait Rodgers. There's no way he can look at this in the low red zone and not take this throw. There's no way he can see inside leverage And not take it because he's made a living on it time and time and time again. And he's embarrassed a lot of teams in the NFL with it. So my guess is they just trapped him. Watching it back here from the sideline view, we can see that backer stop. You can notice right now, buddy, they're not even through the mesh point in the backfield. And this linebacker is not filling B-gap. He is stopped. He's sitting in that throw window waiting for this baby to come. So he Mm -hmm. just gets his hands up. He's really hoping to pick it. But if he can get his hands up and break it up, that's just as good. And he pops that sucker sky high into the air, and then the rest is history. So really, really, really nice trap by Detroit, and a really tough job by uh, Green Bay not being prepared for it or just taking that bait. Awesome.
1: Good stuff. And, and Coach, you can keep your screen up if you'd like. I'll just – well, that's fine. I was going to say I can toggle it on and off for you, but we'll do that moving yeah. forward. Whatever's easier, you know. Sorry but, uh, that, buddy. You know, That's good stuff. And, and really, it, when you watch the tape – if, if they went back and watched the four-game saturation, which is typically what NFL teams do, coaching staffs do, they'll go back and watch a four-game saturation or maybe the last two uh, head-to-head matchups, they're looking at Rodgers going, yeah, he's going to try to take this touchdown pass. And, and what's what sucks so bad about it is first and goal. First and goal. I mean, you had three shots from the five-yard line to get it in. And, oh, it's okay to kick a field goal, too, just so everybody knows, right? I mean, we passed up on so many field goals. When I say passed up, being too aggressive like this down inside the five. But uh, 100%, that error was on Rodgers. And you're going to hear that said over and over tonight. Let's move on to the next one, Coach. This next one, I'm going to go ahead and share my screen again. And this one came – Let's see, it was the second quarter, 14.58 left. Guys, the score was still 0-0 zero to zero at, the, at the start of the second quarter, and this was a fourth-and-goal play. Now, I don't have so much of a problem with an interception happening on fourth-and-goal um, as I do a third-and-goal or like we just seen a first-and-goal. At the same time, though, the whole purpose of going for it inside the five is if you don't get it, you've got their offense pinned back to where you can still capitalize on the field position, make them make a mistake, We're, you know, might even get a safety, get the possession right back. There's a lot of different things that can come into play. But when you turn the ball over in the end zone, you know, touchback, they get the ball back. I mean, it's just bad fundamentals all the way around. This is the stuff that we have not ever seen from Aaron Rodgers. And we talked about it on the post game show. At nauseum, but let's just kind of go right to it. And what we see here is we set up the play. Um, again, second quarter, 1458, zero to zero fourth and goal play. It ends up being an interception and it's really just a horrible underthrow by Aaron Rodgers. but the play, I would, I would call it ace 11 jumbo wing, strong, right? Bakhtiari, the left tackle is going to report as eligible and it's a play action shoot mesh left tackle leak is how I would describe this play. So as he comes to the line here, as uh, you can see, first of all, with the, uh, with the jumbo wing, what I mean by that, guys, really cool formation. I know Coach Han probably uh got really excited about this one. You've got basically your normal offensive line, and you've got an extra tackle on the right side at tight end, as well as your tight end, which to the best of my knowledge was Mercedes. So this is big dog on the on the right, one of the best blocking tight ends in the entire game. So essentially you've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven offensive line is what you basically got. Now, as, as this play starts, Coach. Obviously, there's multiple options of this play, and I think that's what got got away from me in real time and other people as we watched this unfold. It kind of felt like this play was just designed to go to Bach right off the bat. And when I watched it back, I was kind of surprised because what you see here is we roll it here. For those of you listening on the pod, it's a little half-hearted play fake to the right, but you can see Aaron looks right first. To me, it looks like as you see the play unfold, there's a mesh concept in the middle of the field where you basically got the receiver on each side of the line um, on one side you got Lazard, the other side you got Sammy Watkins. They're going to mesh. They're going to have a mesh point right in the middle of the end zone. But the play doesn't even get that far. And then of course the play action shoot was what I would have referred to as a shoot route. Is as you do the little half baby fake to the uh, to the running back, he's just going to run a little shoot route, which is a lot like a flat. It's just kind of a just a slant right to the uh, to the outside, straight to the sideline. And you're going to try to make them make a decision. The only problem with this play is, yes, you've got multiple options. I think the design was to look right first, but you have that, that delayed leak by the left tackle who reported as eligible on the left side. But immediately, Coach, this play gets blown up right at the line of scrimmage. And you can see Zach Tom here at right guard. And as the play unfolds, I don't know, I'm, I'm eager to hear your take on this, but as the play unfolds, because they come up, they've, they've got a hat on a hat everywhere on the line of scrimmage. And Zach Tom at right guard, for those of you watching on YouTube, is right here. And you can see as soon as the ball snapped, quick jab step to the left, and he is just eat alive. So Rodgers turns his back to the line of scrimmage, and when he turns around, there's a defender in his face. And on top of that, going back to the other camera view, you can tell when he looks right, he can tell, all right, the the shoot is covered. They've got press on Lazard. Not that you would go there anyway. In my, in my opinion, the idea would be to go to the shoot first, and then try to catch Sammy on the backside, if you notice all that's covered up, then you're just going to dump it to Bach, put as much air under it as you possibly can, and get it to the big left tackle on the left side. I personally wasn't a big a big fan of the play call simply because of box injury. I love the creativity, don't get me wrong. But these are some of the things that I personally believe that Aaron has talked about was saying we're making things too complex. Don't get me wrong. He wants to throw a touchdown pass to, to his BFF and all of Packers Nation, Coach, would have went absolutely livid if he would have caught this touchdown pass. But as the play unfolds, like you say, Zach Tom here completely beat right off the line of scrimmage, and then Aaron Rodgers with arguably the worst pass I've ever seen him throw in his career, Coach. I mean, this thing, anyone who thinks he was trying to throw it to the goal line right there are kidding themselves. The goal was to get the ball, in my opinion, to Bach, and, uh, yeah, it just never got there. So – you know, a couple of negatives on the play. Again, Zach Tom, not his best rep. Coach, I got to say this, man. I don't think I've ever seen an offensive lineman play so well at tackle but so bad at guard. Like, when I see when I see Tom at guard, he just looks so uncomfortable. You see him at left tackle, and it's like, this dude looks like he could take on the world at left tackle. And it, I, I can't wrap my mind around it. Maybe you see it different. But, again, horrible pass from Aaron, 100% goes on 12, bad look for Tom. I personally don't like that, that play call, Um, you know, on a fourth and goal too. I don't know, man, take the points. That's, that's the way I see it. If if you come away with three on that, on the drive that we just covered, you come away with three on this play or on this drive, you know, you're up six to nothing getting into the, you know, getting into the the deeper part of the second quarter. But what do you see here, coach, as we share your screen?
0: Well, sure. Uh, Let me know as soon as you got my screen there, Clayton. Yeah, you're good. All right. So, I'm um, going to disagree with you here a little bit um, just on the play call itself. Uh, we we run this from time to time when, you know, we want to get one of our guys, uh, a, a tutty, you know, a left tackler, a right tackler, somebody that uh, has done a lot of good stuff for us. Um, and the reason I uh, there's a couple of reasons why I think this is, is designed all the way to Bach. Uh, number one is the tempo that they come out with. So I'm going to run it ahead to the end zone view. Um, so for those of you that are watching or, uh, excuse me, listening on the pod, we're taking a look at the Packers break the huddle. They've just put a sixth lineman in, which allows Bach to report as eligible on that left side. And they're going to break the the huddle with some pretty good tempo here. They're going to run up and get set. Rogers under center, and they're going to go. Uh, they got Sammy Watkins to Bakhtiari's side. He is off the line, therefore making Bach eligible, which gives them now an unbalanced line. Um, as the left guard now is essentially left tackle. The center is playing in the the left guard spot. The uh, right guard is essentially bumped over. Uh, Then you got tackle, tackle type of setup. Um, So this is what we just call an unbalanced line. Um, But they did a really nice job getting up and getting set so that Detroit couldn't really see it or, or couldn't communicate it in time. You'll notice this cat over here, number five. I think he's the drill down safety. He sees it and he's like, hey, 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 watch this is unbalanced, unbalanced. Um, and then as far as Tom goes, we'll talk about him in a moment, but for my for my money's worth, um, I would say this is absolutely a set play run and designed to go to Pac or to Bakhtiari, excuse me. Um, we definitely have Sammy Watkins here. He's going to run that shallow drag right across almost a drive route across the middle. Um, you are going to get a shoot route here. You're going to get Lazard on a little bit of clear. Uh, The reason that Rodgers is going to look that way is to keep the attention of the backside inside so he can't get nosy and drill down on Bach. And that's also going to let Hutchinson here as this wide nine. um, It's going to bait him up the field thinking that they're just going to run standard roll pass here. And then you're going to leak Bach out. We have this um there's a lot of teams that have this They run some tackle throwback or y throwback or variation of it and we simply call it that and it's a play that we rep and rep and rep trying to get that big dog a touch um and you gotta you've got to rep it and we have just a, a one word rep for it you know we'll call out our personnel so in this case it would just be you know 11 personnel or jumbo personnel or whatever we want to call and then we we tag it with a series of letters ours was twd i can't tell you what that stands for um but <laughs> But um, it, it's just that play where it's like, you know, sometimes you call it the kid's last name and then tag special on it. So Bakhtiari special, you know, you could call this just, hey, 11 or jumbo box special. Everybody knows exactly what their job is on that on that play. You're going to get out. You're going to run it. It's something you rep through the week. Everybody's excited for it. Right. Because it's an exotic. So everybody's excited for it. They know what to do uh, for my money. That's what this is. I don't think he's actually ever really looking right. He's just selling that play fake. Um, and I can tell that. Because he's not reading anything here. You know, Mm -hmm. as soon as he comes out of this, he's not actually looking at Aaron Jones. He's not actually looking at Lazard. He's got a little look off coming this way to get this backside inside backer flowing that way to stop him from being nosy. And then he's just going to not even set his feet. And it's just a little throwback pass like you see all the time. Problem is with this, um, it's going to work, right? I mean, tackle throwback always works. And it's going (laughs) to work. But Bach is just so doggone open this is exactly where you want it to go you don't want it to go to the goal line you don't want it to go around any defenders if anything you want to put that ball back here and put it there with a little bit of air under it and let homie just go run under it right like that's the way it's supposed to work um that's the way it's supposed to look that's where the way we draw it up you know we try to do these things all the time for those big dogs working so hard for us and it's gonna work like it's there like let's get a little air under it let's have a little fun with it um unfortunately that throw is way short aiden hutchinson's just a freak athlete the problem is that we always run into is like it it always works really 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 poorly in practice because our dudes aren't very good on the scout team right so they're not like crashing up the field and being crazy like aiden hutchinson is here they're just kind of hanging out even though they don't know what's coming and we end up hitting them in the face with like a screen pass (laughs) or a draw just because they're (laughs) not good and they just stand in the way right Unfortunately for the Packers, it worked in the inverse here where nobody actually thought Aiden Hutchinson could redirect this fast and get under this football. But even if he didn't, you know, you had a peeling D lineman who kind of sniffed it out as well. And it all goes back to that pre snap communication from number five here where he's pointing, he's like, hey, unbalanced, eligible, unbalanced, eligible. Um, so you had a little bit of an idea of what was going on. Um, allowed that D tackle to crash over and allowed Aiden Hutchinson to crash to the backside where you know, that ball has to get up and over them. So it's a bummer, man. I love the play call. Uh, but again, I'm a, I'm an old line coach, but I love the play call. I love everything about it. Um, it's just, unfortunately, um, the, the ball wasn't thrown where it had to be.
1: Yeah. I mean, it wasn't even in the area code, man. It was, it was bad. It was real bad. And, and you can even see kind of the trajectory of the ball stayed vertical too. It was, I don't know if it didn't come out of his hand right or what, it doesn't matter. It's still a bad throw, but, uh, Golly. So again, why do we mention these in order gang? It should have been six to nothing at this point minimum, right? If you protect the football and uh, Aaron throwing those two picks was just was crucial. And it, it really, I think from a fan's perspective, and I know coach, you're not necessarily a fan of the Packers from a fan's perspective and seeing how the, the year has gone. It's like immediately I thought in my mind, why are we trying to get cute? Why are we trying to get cute? But like you said, from an old line coach's standpoint, it's, Get that big guy of the ball, man. Come on. Let's, you know, and I get it. And again, if they had connected, oh my God, Packers Twitter would have went nuts on that for sure. So let's move along here. Let's go into the next play. And we've covered two negative plays. So let's get into a little bit of positive, coach. Let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about the, uh, the interception here. This came in the third quarter, 10 20 left, 10 minutes and 20 seconds left. We're down eight to nothing at this point. This was a first and 10 for the Lions. Okay. So this is, uh, you know, right here in the third quarter, this is Jair Alexander's um, interception. And this is kind of an exciting play, man. I, I really enjoyed breaking this one down. I was kind of impressed with what Detroit tried to do, although I think we would all agree they're not a very talented football team, which says a lot about the fact that the Packers lost to them. But what we had here, in my opinion, was a 21 tight eye, why right, sugar motion, plus a play, and this is a play-action-cell-climb is what I would call it, with a halfback shot now, or a halfback shoot, I should say. So what do I mean by all that? If you watch this play, now I'm going to go behind the line of scrimmage here to get a little bit better view. This is what I mean by the uh, the sugar motion. If you'll watch the tight end, I mean, he starts on the right side. We're kind of getting late here, right? He starts on the right side of the line of scrimmage, and he's, and he's somewhat flexed, but, you know, fairly close to the uh, the right tackle. He motions left all the way across the formation, and it comes all the way back across the right side. And the ball is when the ball is snapped, he's still on the left side of the quarterback, which is pretty impressive. And I don't know if this was Hutchinson in on this play or not. It's a big boy. It may have been Hutch. But essentially what you've got there is a play-action pass. And what they're looking to do with this play, guys, as we roll it back in here on the pod, they're looking to run – a climb and a sell. Now, I said a sell route. It's probably more of a corner than a sell, but I, I wonder if it was somewhat of an option route too. But out of this close eye here, this tight eye, play fake, you've got from the right side of the line of scrimmage is going to be a climb route. It's just basically a crosser, right? And then you've got on the left side, he's going to try to clear that out. And to the best of my knowledge, coach, this looks like a cover three zone. I'm, I'm going to get your take here in a second and see if you think it is a cover three. But we're going to try to do is stretch the defense vertically and bring the crosser underneath and of course the little halfback shoot off the play fake is you've got the shoot route on the left side as the safety valve right so as we go to the other copy here and let's kind of see it from behind the line of scrimmage when you look at green bay they're in what i would consider a 34 bear um and what i mean by bear personally you got the safety in the box here. You got the you got Darnell Savage playing in the box. So they're playing run heavy here on first down. They're saying, look, we're gonna make you beat us with the pass. And when I first seen the interception, I went to roll a tape back, it really caught me by surprise that we were in a base defense because this was just such an explosive play on defense by the Packers. And what I seen, first of all, right off the bat, coach, on this play fake. First of all, all the all the motion you see Quay completely go across. They switch. And then as he comes back, look at the gap discipline on the defensive line. Like that impressed me that even with all that motion, I mean, you see the whole defensive line really take the run gaps away. Now obviously, it's a play fake. And immediately what you get is pressure from Kenny Clark and Rashawn Gary. Kenny Clark coming from he, – he started off in the A-gap on the right, which is what – would you refer to this as a zero-I? Is that what you would call that, Coach? Yeah, we just call that I. I, okay. So, out of an I, which basically, guys, for those of you listening on the pod – You know, zero technique is directly over the center. A one technique is in between the guard and the center. He's cheating a little bit towards the center as if he's playing nose, right? So as the motion comes across, the defensive front shifts right. They stay there at the snap, which that was by design by Detroit. They wanted to get them out of their comfort zone there. Kenny Clark beats his guy like a drum. He actually beats a double team here. So Kenny is actually in what we would consider the three technique and He's going to beat his guy like a drum. As he shifts over, comes out kind of wide, great separation there. Off the other side, you've got Rashawn Gary beating his guy off the edge. He actually had a little bit of chip help or was there for a chip help, but it turns into a release. And really, golf knows, I've got to get rid of this ball quick. And what's amazing about this and what really makes this play go is Jair Alexander. Jair Alexander shows on this play, as you guys see here, He's right up here. He's in what I would consider the third deep zone on that side of the field. And just watch his athleticism. First of all, his awareness and his athleticism. This guy's stretching. To the best of my ability, the best of my knowledge, Coach, his responsibility is that deep third. But he's reading the quarterback, reading the quarterback. Look at where he's at when that hitch comes. I mean, the fact that he just opens his hips and, bam, he drives on the ball, I mean, that's that's as athletic of a play as you're going to get. Uh, from a defender. And, you know, I feel like when you look at it from behind the line of scrimmage too, Coach, I feel like Goff read it pretty good. If you could see Alexander here. I mean, he's looking at Alexander. Alexander's hips are still turned. Right here he's thinking, I've got to cross her. He's going deep. And look how quick Alexander adjusts. I mean, it, it don't get no better than that. Now in hindsight, if you knew Alexander was going to bell on that, obviously you're going to throw that corner route, right? And it was definitely a corner and not a sell in my opinion. But you probably go into that corner if you know Jair is is uh, is completely botting on that play. But the way he undercuts that crosser was amazing. Now I want to point out one more thing so we can kind of be a little bit negative on this play. What in the world is Darnell Savage doing, Coach? This happens every week. We wouldn't. I wasn't even trying to highlight Savage on this play. But look at Savage on the pick six return. Look at him right here, 26. Like what are you doing? <laughs> like you get up field and hit somebody, right? And now. We're going to go back to the all 22 watch Savage right here, coach. He's obviously playing the run, right? He's in the run fit right here. He's the, he's the safety in the box there. Watch him on this play play fake crap. Who in the heck is he covering coach? Like, what are you doing? Like, I don't understand it. Like, and and you got a leak coming out on that side from the fullback. I believe it was, uh, no, it was actually, yeah. Yeah. The fullback leaks out on that side. And if Goff, recognizes Jair turning on that ball, and he dumps it off. Savage's back is to the ball. Again, go behind the line of scrimmage. Look at Savage's numbers right here. Look at this. I don't know. Am I I being too critical there, Coach? And I'm going to turn it over to you. Is is that normal to just say, all right, let me just turn my back to the entire play, and I'm going to run out here into the abyss where there's no other players on the field? So let's get your take on it, man. Maybe I'm being too hard on Savage again.
0: Uh, I, don't, I don't know if you're being too hard on him, um, but I'm not seeing, you know, a, a exactly what you're seeing, but I'll kind of take you through um, what I'm looking at. First of all, um, the really cool thing about this is I'm going to fast forward for the listeners on the going to go uh, to the end zone view first, where we can see, you know, kind of behind the play um, from the end zone standpoint. The first thing we're going to see is uh, Detroit giving uh, Green Bay a little of their own medicine here. They got a 6-0 lineman front end as well. This tight end that's going in motion is number 70. That's my boy, Dan Skipper, the dude they call Skip, uh, right tackle for Detroit. Um, it was cut a ton of times um, from NFL teams before he finally got his shot, got it due to some injury problems that Detroit was having. They got their right tackle back, so uh, now Skip is back to the uh, reserve role, so they're finding creative ways to get him in. Uh, you had mentioned the met- the motion before and what that did um, – to this, what we would call, I, most people call it a one tech, whatever, uh, to the nose and the, the defensive line. Um, Detroit actually has what they want here. So we're going to watch Quay and the line, uh, Quay and the other uh, invert linebackers shift, meaning they're definitely shifting strength. We're seeing the defensive line shift again, meaning they're setting their strength to skip to that 70. And then when he reverses, they don't have time to reverse that and switch that back. So they caught Green Bay exactly where they wanted it them to be and then technically if they run this ball they're plus one right because they've got their strength set you've got skip coming back to clean up this backside stuff this is like zone lead back uh type of look here so we got hat on a hat football here if this uh full if it's not a play fake then this fullback right here is gonna lead up right here to the inside backer and you're gonna be able to run a play called zone lead which is very similar to iso and you're gonna hit that seam and go um, but Detroit thought they had some tricky business going on. They thought they had him. They had that sixth old lineman in there to really kind of seal off the deal. And then they wind back the fullback just to kind of help out. So um, cool little play design, don't get me wrong. I I, I kind of like the, the play design, um, yeah. but it was actually just done a little bit better by Green Bay, unfortunately. So it's not quite cover three um, in my understanding. This is, again, um, we're starting to see Joe Barry really explore some of those Saban tendencies. Right. So this is what we call Rip Liz match or match three. Um, It's stolen from Saban. And essentially the rules are very, very simple. This corner is going to have outside leverage playing funnel technique, funneling the outside receiver to the single high safety. Um, It's the same look we have over here with a funnel, and the reason you're playing outside leverage and allowing that stuff to go into the middle is because you've got these route capped by the safety way up here, right? So we've got that route capped, and now when you're playing outside technique, it allows your eyes to get inside. So the corner's rules are you are man only out and deep unless unless cross. So we call mood man only out and deep, right? So you've got him man, but this is where some of those zone uh man rules come into play. You've got him only out and deep. If he goes out or deep, he you can take him man, but under cross means you can keep your eyes peeled to any crosser. And that's a good way to take care of sale concepts. It's a really good way to take take care of like deep scissors and mesh and stuff like that so the coverage they have called on here is really really nicely done because when he sees the in breaking route he knows the safety has him capped, and Jair can then snap his eyes across the field and take first crosser it's kind of like that invert uh, cover one robber stuff that we were seeing a couple of weeks ago except now it's at the third level it's with the corners and the safeties so as soon as he sees that crosser he can go ahead and take care of that This concept is a great concept. This little corner concept, as you were saying here, so the outside receiver is going to run a POCO or a post corner, and then you're going to get this long mesh underneath it. You're supposed to carry the corner and the safety to the post and then to the corner, and then there's nobody left in this semi-low hole for that long dragging mesh route. Um, Jair and, and Joe Barry did a really nice job of recognizing that if it is a pass, that's what it's going to be. We're going to be a down a man in coverage, so we're going to have to steal a guy from somewhere. Then when you saw 70 come in the game, you're like, all right, they're probably not throwing a deep crosser to him, <laughs> so we can go ahead and check this sucker off to rip Liz match, which is what they did. And as soon as you can, you can watch Jair's eyes right here, as he's watching this poco start to develop and he's playing his funnel technique, his eyes come in right here. And we can see immediately he's going to go ahead and and put a foot in the ground and flip his hips right here and get to attach to that crosser. Not only is he going to attach to that crosser, but he's such a good athlete. He's got such a good first step that he beats the crosser to the ball. So it's not really a trap coverage. It's just a really good coverage call at the right time, a good defensive call at the right time. Um, I don't think this was a film study thing because I've never seen Detroit um, put skip in motion before. Um, in, a, in a tight end type set, so I don't think there was a tell on this or anything. I just think situationally and personnel-wise, they were able to make a pretty good call. And then when they saw 70 go in motion, they were able to make a good adjustment to Ripley's match.
1: Good stuff, man. Good stuff. Yeah, it, it, it's it's amazing watching Jair Alexander, and and you can really see where he separates himself from other DBs in the game. I mean, you can't you can't coach that athleticism. It's amazing the drive he got on that ball and to be able to get turned around the way he did. I mean, he, there's no doubt about it. He's 100% healthy. That's for sure. And he's at the top of his game right now. So uh, had, a, had a great couple of games these last two weeks, uh, you know, immediately following the Washington game for sure. So, all right, let's get back to some negative. You ready? <laughs> let's go. <laughs> there was plenty of it in this game. All right. So up next, we have the, uh, this came in the third quarter and 23 left. You're down zero to eight. This is immediately following that interception, guys, from Jair Alexander. Right. And we're going to jump right into the play where Aaron Rodgers gives the ball right back. It's like these offenses. Both of them were just saying, No, you take it. No, you have it. I don't want it. You take it <laughs> But third quarter, 923. Uh Green Bay's down, eight to nothing. Second and nine play. And this is the interception from Aaron Rodgers. It was picked by the uh, the young guy there, Kirby Joseph. You know, you heard Aaron talk in the presser about how it was a great play by Kirby. Um, it was it was a good play by the defender, by the strong safety. But in my opinion, it was a worse play by Aaron. Um, it was an 11-gun, empty, strong right flex. You had the T that was wide right. So let me explain that real quick. 11 personnel, one running back, one tight end. It was an empty look, strong right. The tight end was flexed, so he's – detached from the offensive line, which you have Tunyon right here, and then you've got the T receiver, which is going to be Aaron Jones up at the very top of the screen, and those of you on the pod are going from right to left, okay, so it's an empty set, and essentially what the play call was was Ohio post dagger is what I would call it, and um, Ohio is a concept where you have, if you look at the bottom of the screen here, for those of you watching on YouTube and Twitter, you have Sammy's going to run a go route, and then you're going to have an out route underneath it. That's what you call an Ohio concept. Okay. And on the other side, you're going to have a post from the tight end, and then you're going to have along with that, a dagger, which is going to be a deep route, kind of a, uh, you know, I, I, I guess it could be considered a corner route. To me, it looked like a go route that was just kind of bent, kind of a, kind of a fade nine route. And then, the, uh, the aspect of the dagger is going to be a dig underneath. Now, again, I want you to really keen on the fact that this was a second and nine, guys. Second and nine, and it's a one-possession game, right? And as the play unfolds, what you're going to see at the bottom of the screen, here's the Ohio, right? So you've got Sammy going deep. You've got Amari Rogers on the out route. There's your Ohio concept. As we roll it back, you've got Tunyon, who's going to try to bend around that mic and get down the seam on that post route. And then, of course, you've got the dagger concept with Lazard going deep. Really looks like a corner right there. They play great outside leverage. And then you've got the dig underneath with Aaron Jones. So the thing that stands out to me here, Coach, I mean, Aaron reads it's too deep right off the bat, right? I mean, he, he sees the split safeties. There's two safeties on the shelf, and he's going to try to hammer this into Tonya no matter what. I mean, he's just literally, as soon as he clears the backer, you know, one of the things that Aaron always liked to say is if I see numbers I'm throwing, I'm throwing in that direction. If I see a defender with his back turned, right, then I'm going to that guy. At this point right here, as he finishes his drop, it looks like the backer's going to turn and run with him, but then he faces the line of scrimmage. And to me, Aaron panics. It's like, I'm just going to try to hammer this thing in. And if you watch Kirby, uh, Kirby Joseph up here at the strong safety position, he's reading Aaron like a freaking book undercuts that route beautifully gets the pick right and and here's one of those situations too there's no reason to press like I want to ask you too coach do you think this is two man under or is this Tampa two coverage because the mock does get pretty deep out there although he didn't run with the scene he faced up to look like cover two man but I could be wrong I mean everybody's pretty much a man on a man two deep uh two deep safeties uh, the only thing that kind of threw me off, of course, the ball was already gone is the free safety breaking back toward the center of the field. Maybe he was just reading Aaron as well. But this is a safe coverage on second nine. You come out in an empty look. Everything's flexed out wide. For me, it being a second nine play coach, you got to live to play another down. You either tuck this ball and run it, and and Aaron, as you can see right here on this clip, or look to the right side in between the guard and the tackle. I believe it unfolds. Let me fast forward here just a touch. You can see as it unfolds. Aaron can tuck this ball and go right there, right? Now, they had a little bit of a, a little bit of a, a defender there. A defensive lineman is probably going to come off and close that gap. But the biggest part for me is this dig. The dig is there. The dig on the dagger side up top, coach, it's there. Hammer that thing. You see the two safeties on the shelf, and, and the safeties are playing it perfect. They're going to use that boundary as an extra defender. He's got to either thread the needle outside to Lazard, which they've got outside leverage, so you're not going to see that happen. You've got to try to throw a jump ball to Sammy at the bottom. The out route on the Ohio on the bottom is completely covered up. You hammer that dig there, and you're setting yourself up for a third and short. So this is 100% on Aaron Rodgers. And this is one of those plays I've seen a lot of people on Twitter talking about, not this play specifically, but just Aaron Rodgers' play on Sunday in general. Yeah, the thumb's injured. We get it. and is, is He's inaccurate. We got it. That has nothing to do with you making the wrong decision. And he makes the wrong decision on this play. You've got to hammer that dig right there. So I'm eager to see what you've got here, coach. Because to me, first of all, give give a little bit of praise to the offensive linemen. I know it's just a four-man rush, but they held up well, right? I mean, that's a clean that's as clean a pocket as you're going to see right there. They really held the edge nice, gave him a good pocket. You've got to hammer, and he's even got the throwing lane to throw that dig. But I'm going to turn it over here to you and uh, and see what you're uh, what you're seeing and. Explain. Uh, tell me if I'm wrong. Tell me if you've seen the same thing. What do you got?
0: No, man, honestly, I think you're uh, you're 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 pretty close um, to what I'm seeing. Uh, we, we've got two man under here. Um, this inside backer here, because it's empty, you know, he doesn't have a threat out of the backfield. You know, so he's not quite playing a, a spy. He's more of what we call a rat. Um, again, similar to the some of the Saban teachings. Um, where he can go ahead and reroute that number three receiver and then just kind of rat the middle of the field and i'm thinking he's ratting um to take away any potential inside release because we'll see him start to attach to the tailback jones here um if that gotcha. were, if that if that uh dig were to be thrown at all that little drive route by aaron jones but to me man um i don't like the play call and and you don't I you agree. don't hear me say that very often <laughs> at all um but i don't like it at all Uh, We got your mandatory outside release here. You got your speed out here. This is fade out. This is Ohio. As as you mentioned, a lot of people call it a lot of different things. Um, And then you're going to get your post right up here. You're going to tell your tight end, you teach your tight end, especially out of empty. Um, This to us is trips right empty. Um, You're going to get your post to outside of first level, inside of second level. That's all very standard stuff. And then you're going to have your what we call a bender and then your dig underneath as you've already shown um, everybody thus far. So that's what the concept looks like. Here's the reason I don't like this play call, okay? This cat right here, he's stacked up over the top of your number two receiver on the backside of trips. So you got four defenders here and three defenders here. If you run a fade out concept here, what you call Ohio, here to stop this like who's here to threaten this who's here to walk him out if we get this safety walked out of the play this is absolutely a touchdown i'll show you why as we kind of fast forward this thing and watch this play develop if you get a vertical threat on him because he's reading number two you know what his rules are it's two man right right? he's reading the number two receiver if you get that and you keep him in this area right here if he's got a vertical threat and he's got to stay numbers the sideline Look at all the window that we have to throw into here. You can lead Tunyon more. You can put it on the O and let Tunyon go get it because he's bigger, stronger, and faster than everybody else, right? But you don't have that in the play call here. So this safety gets to be lazy. He he can trust his corner one-on-one with Sammy Watkins and think that, hey, eventually I can get there over the top of the cradle to help out with that. But the second that this ball is released, his his hips are open, and you force a real tight window here. I mean, take a look at this. Now Rodgers has to throw that sucker in roughly four and a half, five yard window. And you're chucking this thing from 22. I mean, his release point is 31 yards down the field. Like that's a real (laughs) tough closing window to try to put that thing into looking back on it. And we can all critique play calls, right? Like we could do that until we're blue in the face, but the, the, better play call that I see that that we like to run out of empty is let these guys run your landmark verticals right tell Sammy Watkins you are running a landmark vertical to the pylon tell your inside receiver on the up I, I don't is that Rogers maybe that you're taking this sucker onto the numbers you got to widen out that safety if he goes middle of the field you get a touchdown if he attaches to you Tunyon gets the touchdown then we can put this landmark right in between the hashes we can keep this bender route on and then we can do whatever the heck we want to right here. Right. We can run our dig. We can run a little whip route. Right. We have all sorts of options on this backside here um, if, as long as we can control the safeties. If you can't control the safeties, you can't beat two man under. Right. So that's what I'm seeing here. I, I wasn't in love with that play call at all. Um, definitely need a way to, to control that backside safety and make that window a lot less tight because. Take a look. Kirby Joseph has all the room in the world to undercut this route, knowing that if I get beat deep, that's fine. I got my buddy over the top to maybe jar that ball loose or at least put a big hit on it and make him earn a touchdown. But he has no regard to that whatsoever. And you're going to be seeing it really, really nicely from the end zone shot here. As this thing develops, Kirby Joseph has absolutely no worries of getting beat deep here. Stepping up, he can run right under this ball. He don't care. Like if this ball is dropped over the top of him, you got a safety coming in to head hunt to put a little heat on the body. By the time that ball is actually delivered to where Tunyon could have got it, your safety, uh, your backside safety is already on his heels, kind of coming off it, knowing that, hey, Kirby's got a, uh, a pick. Let's go. So frustrating play call to me, to be honest with you.
1: Yeah. And, you know, Aaron said something. I believe it was in the presser. or Yeah, it was in the presser when he was talking about this play specifically. And it kind of got my attention. And and I'm I'm strictly speculating here, right? But he he made a comment, something along. He started to say, "Well, yeah, there was there was a mental mistake on," and he, he cut himself off. It was like you could tell he was going that, and he was just like, "I've said enough of that. I'm not going to say it." I wonder, after we watch this play develop, did Amari Rogers run the wrong route? Because I'm with you when you come out and see that right there, and that's another thing too, Coach. Let me go to this right here. Watch. You probably already seen this too. Watch Aaron right here. You see the signal. Mm-hmm. hes he, I don't know what he's communicating there, but when he made that comment in the presser, it made me think, okay, somebody didn't run the right route. Now, I don't think it was necessarily that. Maybe that was the signal that Amari should have ran more of a streak route to hold that safety. I don't know. A- again, that's the beautiful thing, too. Nobody but the coaches and the players know exactly what, what the game plan was for this look. Now, I do know that they're coming out in 11 personnel and go to an empty. Their goal – was they wanted to catch them off guard by by coming out in an empty, right? And, and, you know, threatening to run. Then you come out in an empty, and it's okay. Now we've got them on their heels. And Detroit was not intimidated at all. They said, okay, you want to do that? Cool, we'll just play man up. Man up, two man under, let's roll. Let's see what you got. They know, along with everyone else in the the league right now, these guys are not going to win one-on-one matchups. I mean, they have this year, but you, you like your chances. You really do. And you've got Aaron who's typically safe with the ball. I said this earlier. I can't remember if it was you on a podcast with me or who it was, but I remember in the early days, anytime we played a team that played two-man under against Aaron, I dreaded it because he was so cautious with the ball that he would take sack after sack after sack and two-man under because he wouldn't try to force the ball in. For whatever reason on Sunday, he was totally fine with forcing the ball in, and it cost the Packers a win for sure. And why do we do this in sequence, guys? The reason I mention this, and for those of you on the pod, at this point here, we're now to the point in the game that if you do hammer that dig, and let's say you get stopped on third and short with the run on the next play, you kick a field goal, and now you're winning nine to eight. If ifs and bit, you know, ifs and nuts for, you know, ifs and buts for candy and nuts, we'd all have a Merry Christmas, right? If ifs for fish, we'd all be drunk. I get it. But I'm telling you, that's what costs them the game. And coach, you said it before, you know, you've got to go in that meeting room and say we are not an arrogant football team. And Sunday they came out and played like an arrogant football team. Period, and they got their butts handed to them, rightfully so. So, um, all right, we're going to end it with one positive play here, other than the interception. Right? This came in the third quarter, four fifty-three left. The score, guys, is still eight to nothing, Detroit. Believe it or not, we're about to start the fourth quarter, and it's still eight to nothing, Detroit. Kudos to the defense for holding Detroit kind of in check and keeping them in this ballgame. And it, and that's got to be demoralizing, Coach. You get that huge interception, give them great field position, and two plays later you throw a pick like that, it's ridiculous. And that's that's on 12. It really is. So third quarter, 453, down 8 to nothing. This was a second and three play. And this is one that kind of got swept under the rug. Of course, during a loss, nobody wants to talk about, Anything good, it's it's always going to be bad. But I really, really like this throw here. This was a touchdown pass from Aaron Rodgers to Alan Lazard, and this is uh, going to get it within, you know, eight to six. They go for two. They don't get the two-point conversion. But this was an 11-ace, doubles on, strong left, Z-motion tight corner, out-and-go climb, play-action halfback leak. So this is a play-fake play. And as everything unfolds, first of all, I want to say I don't like the play call from a sense of putting DeGuara on an island. So as we go to the tape here from the end zone cam, you've got DeGuara out here playing tight end, right? That's your strong left, okay? He's attached. As Aaron drops back to run a play fake, you've got DeGuara one-on-one, and you maybe you can shed a little light on this, coach. I kind of feel like the tackle should have helped on that side, but it's obvious Aaron probably ID'd the mock, said, hey, here's how we're setting everything up. Maybe it was Myers that set it up. But as we go to the play fake here, the play action pass, Aaron turns his back, it's DeGuara against an edge defender and that edge defender eats his lunch. I mean, it's just a grab and go and Aaron's going to take a shot here. Bang. I mean, it's, he had time to deliver the football. It was one read and let it rip. That's all he had time to do. But Deguara getting beat right there. And and I seen people all week long coach talking about Deguara should have graded out better. Deguara should have graded out better. And I never seen this play, <laughs> right? That pass blocking is important at the tight end position too, when it comes to grading. But, uh, the corner on the island gets beat like a drum. There's zero time, and, and this is just 12 throwing Alan Lazard open. As we go back to the all 22, Aaron, you're going to see get crushed. Here's the uh, the motion that we talked about, the Z-motion tight corner. So, basically, he's going to motion over, get in tight, and then he's going to run a little corner route, right? And I wouldn't even really call it a corner route. What do you call that, Coach, when it's a sharp angle in and a sharp angle out? What would you refer to that route? you got a, a name for it? Is that just another one of those get open routes?
0: No, that's crack and go all day long. It's looking like Lazard's going to clean up that backside inside backer in case you get a disconnect or a cutback on that duo type of look. And you see the outside back or the inside backer, excuse me, react to that. You know, he's putting his hands up, thinking, hey, here comes crack, crack, crack. He's thinking he's going to get pegged there, that uh, inverting safety, I guess, not really an outside backer. He's thinking he's going to get cracked by Alan Lazard and duo is going to pop outside of him. Um, So that's definitely crack and go. Uh really good play design. I really liked what they did here.
1: Gotcha. Good stuff. So the crack and go, I like it. And and we have seen it all year long, guys. You, you know, me and Ryan were were chuckling. This was back in the preseason. It seems like it was two lifetimes ago now, back when we were all in a good mood as Packer fans. But we seen Lazard crack all preseason and it was awesome. It's like, oh, I can't wait to see the. And you know, that's that's why guys become aware when you know you've got a physical wide receiver that's gonna crack. And you can kind of see him flinch, can't you? Like, ah. Uh. <laughs> but, again, Lazard, this isn't really bad coverage in my opinion. You may disagree, Coach. But, I mean, he's running stride for stride with Lazard. 12 puts this ball right where it needs to be. I wish I had the TV copy just to make it a little bit a little bit more clear. But you can see, again, Aaron DeGuardia getting beat, Aaron taking the shot, and he just throws him open. Look at the placement of that ball right there. You have plays like this where you're like, that's 12. I mean, that is deadly accurate right there, right? But then you get other plays like we've seen earlier where you're hitting people in the face mask and uh, and obviously underthrowing David Bottiari by six yards. So you take the good with the bad. But I thought we would end it on a positive note with that. That was uh, Green Bay's only score of the day. And uh, to me, this is just this is Aaron being Aaron here, man, with that accuracy. I mean, it's, it's there on the money. But – Unfortunately, yeah, you throw you throw three picks. It's hard to remember that one touchdown because again, I want to put emphasis on, you know, somebody asked in the chat. So, what what would you say, Clayton? Seventy percent Aaron's fault, thirty percent Lafleur's for this game plan. You know, the the horrible offensive performance. I, I said more like 80-20. I think it'd be eighty percent Aaron because I mean these are mental mistakes. At this point, you should be up nine to eight, and then right here you're going up what fifteen to uh, fifteen to eight and you got the ball game well in hand. So I'm going to turn it over to you, Coach. What are you seeing here, man?
0: Uh, yeah. Uh, first of all, you got a real good eye for this stuff. Um, you know, it, it's it's real important to ID DeGuarra one-on-one against an edge rusher. So nice job on that. I'm going to show you kind of why they, in my opinion, why they did it. And it's a real smart kind of uh, coverage identification and then coverage beater uh, from what we're going to see from Detroit. So as we stand right now, the, the numbers of the receivers that um, Detroit is going to key to um, from corner, who's going to stay man to this inverting safety right here. Um, for those on the pod, the, the strong side safety or the safety to the tight end side is drilling down into the box, um, thinking run here. And then you're going to hold this backside safety up as a single high safety. So this safety that's drilling down into the box has to identify one. Two is the attached tight end. And then three, the running back, if he happens to come my way, is the number that would be the number three receiver. And the cool thing about it as this play develops, and I'll show you here when you put DeGuara one on one and you max pro him, it makes that inverting safety now switch from DeGuara as the number two to now A.J. Dillon as the number two receiver, that back out of the backfield. Once Josiah DeGuara has to. Pass pro and is not going, is very evidently not going out for a pass. It makes that safety hang out down in the box. And we're going to see why that's so important here in just a moment. He's got to hang out down in the box. He can't just bail back now and provide any under over coverage simply because his new number two receiver is in the box. So kind of a cool way of, you know, getting some Max Pro, but also kind of messing with some coverage rules. And then by putting Deguara, or excuse me, not Deguara, but uh, Alan Lazard in that short motion with that crack and go, Um, It's really going to put that corner in a tough, tough situation because with the crack and go, now the corner is going to get on his backside and we know in man coverage, really the best way to beat it is to the outside, you know, corners are going to do everything they can in man coverage to take away the inside. We saw that on the first play of the game or the first play that we went through where Rogers threw the pick where they were giving intentionally the receiver, the inside and Rogers thought he had a gift. Well. You don't usually do that in man coverage, you do everything you can to take away the inside force, the the more difficult throw, and then when Lazard is able to bend this now with that inverted safety, who ends up right here with him way out of the box, way out of the, or in the box, excuse me, out of the play, that's going to open up just this beautiful window on this crack and go route right here that Rodgers can just start to lay the ball into and he can throw away from that single high and over the top of the corner. Is it an easy throw? Heck no. Um, Especially given the pressure, it's a beautiful throw. just an absolute gem. Um, But it is in the spot where it can be. It's a, it's a much safer throw because now you either miss your receiver long and you live to see another down or, you know, you get to capitalize on it. So some kind of cool scheme stuff. Um, Full slide protection here from Green Bay and usually in full slide protection, um, you use it on a play fake and you bring the back here to seal off the end where they're going to switch the responsibilities of deguara and the back, leak the back out to hold that inverting safety and knowing that you got that crack and go route. Um, One thing of interest here that is kind of cool is if you didn't have that crack and go, if that safety didn't attach right here. To the running back, and and they blew the coverage. The nice thing is you had it up top with a little Texas switch here by number eighty three, um, or eighty. I don't even know who this cat is. Eighty three, um, Samori Tore. Yeah, I'm sorry, who? Samori Torre, rookie. Yeah, yeah, just just a a beautiful, beautiful route. Knowing that you've got Sammy Watkins taking over the top. I mean, yeah. if this throw to Lazard isn't there, this is definitely your number two in your progression. Um gorgeous route run by that young man. Got this port defender all turned around. And he looks like a tech mode bull dude right here. He's just got <laughs> skipping backwards, right? He's in trouble. Um gorgeous route there. And then Alan Lazard. So don't get me wrong, there is a little bit of hope, right? But it is this is boiling down to some execution flaws um overall. And it, it's definitely stuff that has got to get cleaned up to get some victories here.
1: Yeah, no doubt. And <clears throat> what's so cool, Samori Tore, coach, the last two weeks. He's showing up everywhere. You know, I know he didn't have a huge stat line. Obviously, he had a touchdown the previous week. That on the, You know, remember the last Chalk Talk? You said, man, whoever this knows how to run a scramble play, that was him. That was Samori okay. Torre. Yeah, right? okay. And the route you just highlighted was rookie Samori Torre. So, it just seems like every week some, a little, something else is coming into coming in picture. And what's cool is he was a seventh-round pick. So, looking like – and he was someone who went to a JUCO, completely excelled, transferred to Nebraska, completely excelled. Fell late in the draft. Packers pick him up. A lot of people and even Donald Driver came out and said, I see a lot of me in Samori Torre, which is really cool. So um good stuff, man. Well, as we wrap up, we're, we're pretty much out of time. I want to highlight a couple things we were talking about in the chat. Just it got me digging into some numbers. We were talking about how, um, you know, some of the, the defenses seem to have caught on to this scheme. Right. And the numbers are down and I did a little study and found out that roughly 40% of the league is running or they come from the origins of the Kyle Shanahan wide zone boot scheme. Right. And we got kind of a little bit of an update, you know, the darling this year that I've noticed, I know you, you may even get uncomfortable me mentioning gambling. I follow the money. You know, when I look at where, where the money goes, within the gambling world of the NFL, I go, okay, There's those are the numbers that are probably most important. There's a reason that Vegas can, you know, give away those free drinks with the pretty little umbrellas, right? They know exactly what they're doing. And the the statistic that I keep hearing over and over and over is points per play. You know, when we try to gauge offenses, you hear points per game is important. You hear total yardage is important. You hear yards per play is is important. One of the new ones that's that's new to me is points per play. And I kind of broke it down and went through and said, okay, in 2021, let's look at the OGs of this wide zone uh, boot scheme, right? You have Kyle Shanahan with the 49ers, you have McVay with the Rams, and you've got LaFleur with the Packers. Those are the three that have really had the most success with it of recent years. In 2021, points per play, the Rams finished seventh in the league, the Packers finished 11th, and the 49ers finished 13th. Fast forward to 2022. The Rams are 28th, the Packers are 27th, and the 49ers are 16th. And it's like and, – and you can look at the rest of the league and go, well, they're not the only ones running the scheme. That's correct. But you've got some of the young guys that have put their own spin on this scheme, right? And as people spin off, just like McDaniel going to Vegas and kind of doing his own thing now when he left New England. But across the league, some of the young guys, Seattle got their own spin on it, Number two this year in points per play. Miami, number seven, which is McDaniels that was the OC in San Francisco. in Cincinnati, number nine in the league, points per play. That was, if I remember correctly, that's Zach uh, uh, Zach Taylor, right, that came from the L.A. Rams a couple years ago. And then in Minnesota, the new darling is Kevin O'Connell. He's 11th in points per play. So you're seeing this new wave of guys putting their own spin on this offense. Now, we talked about the Patriots, and we're going to wrap up right here. The Patriots last year running their old system, their old scheme. In 2021, their points per play was fifth in the entire National Football League. For whatever reason, the hoodie, the goat, Bill Belichick said this year, we're going to switch our scheme up. I'm going to put both uh gosh, I can't remember their names now. He was the head coach, uh, Joe Judge was the head coach in New York with the New York Giants. He got fired, Bill Belichick invited him right back in the building. Matt Patricia, who was the head coach for the Detroit Lions, back in the building he put both of those guys on the offense and said we're going to revamp redesign this offense and we're going to the Shanahan wide zone boot right last year Belichick's old offense fifth in the league in PPP in 2022 they've dropped all the way to 14th and this is Mac Jones excelled last year right he was he was the rookie quarterback and everybody said man they miss him that was that was the quarterback of the draft he was smart He was NFL ready. He was accurate. He was accurate. He can make decisions quick. And it's just, I see all of these similarities across the board, and I'm going, Coach, man, it seems like the league is caught up and we're starting that new cyclical change. You know, you got any thoughts on that as we wrap up?
0: I mean, defenses are smart. The days of just lining up and pummeling dudes, uh, you know, those are are gone. I remember this kind of same thought process in all my studies with the zone blitz uh, way back when I first started coaching. And, you know, what it did in the NFL for quite a while. And then, you know, people started to learn how to attack with, you know, RPO type of stuff and shovels and unders and gap schemes and that sort of stuff. And uh, that's when mesh was really starting to come in and the air raid was really starting to take over. Um, So now with this, this zone type of situation, defenses are really learning how to do a good job of, you know, both steal gaps and get their defenders out of conflict. And we saw it on the very first play that we looked at where. You know, duo is a really, really big part of a wide zone scheme. That's essentially your counter play is to just win double teams, um, reverse pivot out from under center or or have a designated wind back with your running back. Duo is a really big one to counteract zone. Um, and if you're not having defenders in conflict anymore because you can fit, freeze them and you can give them specific rules for specific plays, you're going to have to figure out a, a way to to really do a good job of conflicting those defenders again and what minnesota is doing which is just so nasty is uh they're cheating and they're cracking that they're cracking that fit freeze defender with a slot receiver and then they'll go ahead and release him in just in case it is an rpo uh designed for him to leave so i mean they're doing a really good job of blocking them downfield and just you know daring the rest to call it so I, th- I think it's awesome
1: yeah i think it's great man and again it, it kind of goes without saying but if you know if you don't like change, what's the old quote? If you don't like change, you're gonna like you're gonna like irrelevance even less. And it kind of feels like those three coaches are stuck. It they're trying to hammer this along and, and stay in this. And the young whippersnappers are coming in, going, "Hey, let's have a little bit of fun." Now, I will say, it does help that in Seattle you've got a baller like DK Metcalf stretching the field. In Miami, you've got Jalen Waddle and Tariq Hill. In Cincy, you've got Jamar Chase. In Minnesota, you've got Justin Jefferson. Who does Green Bay have? Right? Who does the 49ers have? Right? And then who does the Rams have this year? You've got Cooper Cup, but he's not that guy that's going to take the top off the field, off the off the uh, defense, you know. So, it's going to be interesting, man. As much as I love the Packers, I love the game of football a lot more. And I just love watching things kind of cycle through and adjustments that are made. And, man, I cannot thank you enough for joining me tonight, dude. I learned so much from you, as always, dude. You're a freaking blessing. Appreciate you. I know you've had a long day and it's uh, always a blast to talk ball with you. bro.
0: No, you know, I look forward to this all the time, man. It was absolutely my pleasure. Thanks for having me.
1: Absolutely. Guys, we're going to get out of here again. Thank you guys for hanging out with us here uh, on Twitter and YouTube. Also, thank you for uh, listening on the pod there. You're on the ground on Thursday afternoon. Hope you guys have a great day. As always, let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world. Go Pack Go!